This is Right to Real Love Radio, the relationship podcast that will help you develop better relationships with ya, yourself, and others. Yo, 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 what is going on, real lovers? I am so excited to be back with another great discussion. And this time we have a very special returning guest. Many of you may remember him, none other than author and pastor Michael Anthony. What's going on with you? Jay, Jay, it's great to be on your podcast again. Hello to all the listeners. You know, I love your podcast, man. You do such a great job because you're the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> that is refreshing today. You know, that, that's refreshing today, man, because there are so many plastic people out there. And I appreciate the fact that you're you're real, you're down to earth, and you're giving good content to your listeners. So thanks for having me back. Oh man, thank you. And, and to God be the glory. You know, I, I wouldn't be nothing without him. And I'm I'm grateful to be in this position and definitely excited to have you on the podcast again and definitely dive in to explore some other elements within your book before we go and get into this great topic. I'd love for you to just catch us up on what's been going on in your life since the last time you were on the show. Yeah, well, um, been busy preaching the Word of God. I love teaching, preaching the Word of God, taking people through what's known as expositional, um, verse-by-verse teaching of the Bible. So I love doing that uh, at the church where I'm at, Genesis Church in York, Pennsylvania, and um, great group of people. I love the flock that I get to serve with and to serve. And uh, the book, A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear, has been doing really well, really, really resonating with people. Um, it's the kind of book that people, if I can say this, it's true, they rarely buy one copy. Usually they buy multiple copies. They read it, they buy multiple copies and give it out because they they see that it's practical and timely for what's happening in the country today. So between uh, preaching and teaching and making some guest appearances on radio and television and the book getting the word out about the book and having that go well, that's enough, my friend. That's enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You got I got a lot of hats, <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it's all work for the kingdom. And I'm excited. Definitely, really, uh, one of the things that resonated that you shared is the fact that you prefer expository preaching or teaching. And, and that's key. You know, I've been learning the differences uh, recently between expository and topical preaching. And in my experience, expository preaching is just so amazing. You know, no shade to anybody that does topical preaching. It definitely has its place. Um, but it's, it's something about going verse by verse, being able to get the full context and, you know, not just like the sound bites. Well, exactly. And, you know, even when I do topical messages, I still like to do them expositionally. I still like to see the differences, having your own ideas and then trying to find Bible passages that fit in with it. Mm-hmm. Or having it, it <laughs> is. It's called eisegesis or having the Bible passages dictate for themselves what the topic is and then speaking on a topic. So even when I do topical speaking, topical teaching from the Bible, it's still expositional because at the end of the day, who really cares what my words are? Even in the book, A Call for Courage, who really cares what my personal opinion is? Even though we're living in a day and age, you know, with social media, everybody wants their opinion to be known. At the end of the day, for me, it comes down to what's God's opinion on the matter. And I think that's the safest place to be. It's the most transformational place to be. That's where lives are changed. And I think we do a great disservice to the Lord when we belittle his word by thinking that we have a topic that we can present more creatively or more passionately than he presents in his word. We definitely need to be passionate, definitely need to be creative about how we present his word. But at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, everything in between needs to be about his word. You know, God's view about his word is, for I've exalted above all else 
my name and my word. That's actually in the scriptures. And if that's what God does, then I think that's what we should do. Most definitely. And man, you're giving me chills over here because that's <laughs> precisely the way that I like to proceed with the ministry work that we're doing here at Right to Real Love is it's not about my opinion. You know, that was the first, like I'm telling you, Michael, when God put this idea of Right to Real Love in this podcast in my mind back in early 2014, having podcasted at that time for close to five years previous to this, you know, I had mm -hmm. one thing in mind. And the first thing he let me know before I before he ever gave me a directive is that, listen, this podcast isn't about you giving your opinions on relationships. It's about you taking the people who will be listening to my word and revealing what my word has to say on this topic. Because as we know, like so many things in life, there are a lot of opinions that are coming at us in so many different directions, but there's very few people who are demonstrating what we're going to be talking about today, which is courageous humility. Because in the time that we live in, Michael, you know, not to jump ahead of our discussion, but courageous humility is required in our society to actually be someone who teaches the word of God. And as opposed to your own opinions, your own thoughts, or, you know, the ideas that we come up with ourselves and it's needed. We need the word of God. We need all of it to be presented to us because his word is infallible. Ours isn't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's, I think, refreshing about your podcast, because you could drink the Kool-Aid if you wanted to and just go for what, uh, you know, making a name for yourself. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a name for yourself if that is a byproduct of making the Lord's name known. In other words, that's such a rarity today that if you continue to make that your endeavor, you are going to be known, but you're going to be known as the person who points people to Christ. That comes with the territory. And in a day and an age where people are trying to point uh, people to themselves, you know, you think about Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, mm -hmm. and it's all about likes, follows, you know, uh, and engagement. But so, so little of that, Jay, if we're really honest, and if you're listening, you know this is true, so little of that really in a deep, rich, transformational way, exalts Jesus and points people to Jesus. So that's really what it's about. You know, the, the, the verse that I was referencing is Psalm 138.2, for you exalted above all else, your name and your word. If that's the way God approaches things, then who are we to change the agenda? If, if that's the way God approaches ministry and life, then there's a good lesson in that for us. Even John the Baptist, right? When John the Baptist comes on the scene, they say, hey, this Jesus, uh, you know, you're familiar with him. He's your cousin. He's getting uh, disciples. And John's response is telling because he says he must become greater, Jesus. I must become less. So if that was John the Baptist's attitude about Jesus and Jesus' testimony about John the Baptist was that there's nobody born of a woman greater than John. I mean, that's amazing. And yet John's attitude was that Jesus must become greater. I must become less. If that's good enough for John, whom Jesus spoke very highly of, then that should be good enough for me and for you. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And then if we were to even dive even deeper into that, when we look at how the word of God defines our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's defined as the word. So yeah. once again, it speaks to the, the scripture that you took us to. He exalts his name and his word. <laughs> you know, so it, there's a reason why. If we found the things that we are doing on the word of God, if we are proclaiming the word of God, it will have the impact that God intended it to have. And it is far more powerful and far more impactful than any words that we could come up with, no matter how eloquent or poetic. <laughs> 
Exactly. Oh, man. I, I love it, man. Yo, this, the Holy Spirit is already involved here because I, I never foresaw us going here, but somebody needed to hear that. I know I needed to hear that. And, you know, it's always a great reminder to just know that the word of God, it, it, you know, that you know, kind of yeah. how they say the buck stops here. It, it really does. Like, there's really no reason to go beyond that. You know, if, if we're open in our mouths, it should be to either help people come into an understanding of the word of God or to introduce them to it. You know, like that, that's that. <laughs> well, you know, I just came back from a couple of days in Maryland off of the Chesapeake Bay. Mm. Uh, good friends of ours had a house right on the water. It's ridiculous. It's 20 feet away from the water and the whole back of their house, very small house, uh, but the whole back of their house is all windows. So you look out, your, your backyard view is the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, I spent a couple of days down there literally doing nothing but preventing my well, myself from thinking, which is hard for me. My wife would tell you that I literally was pre preventing myself from thinking about anything except the word of God. And you know what I did, Jay? And maybe somebody out there can identify with this. There are times in our lives when we're, we know that we should be reading the Bible. We want to read the Bible at a cognitive level, you know, mentally, but we have a hard time being motivated. We just can't get ourselves to do it. You know what I did? I binge read the book of Job. And I binge read the book of Hebrews. What I mean by binge reading, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. I read the books from beginning to end without writing down notes, without stopping when something was like, uh, I didn't understand what it meant. I just read it. And I did it because of Romans ten seventeen. This is a great verse to commit to memory. And maybe you're listening right now and you're in a faith crisis or you're struggling, you're depressed. You're not, that's not to say all depression uh, can be solved this way, but there is such a thing as spiritual depression and you're not motivated to read the Bible. Maybe the glory days seem to be behind you. Romans ten seventeen says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So I took that at face value and I thought, hmm, if faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, then here's something that I say to my people all the time. To build your faith, lift your Bible. To build your faith, lift your Bible. So I said, you know, I'm going to give myself a, a spiritual workout, a faith workout. I'm just going to try to read as much Bible as I can because I know that the Word of God promises that faith comes by hearing the Word of Christ, the Bible. And you wouldn't believe how much that charged me up and fired me up and recharged my battery. I binge read the Bible and I recommend it to you and to anybody else who might be struggling with uh, being discouraged about Bible reading, maybe you're, in a, you're stuck in a rut in your spiritual walk, just binge read. Just read it. Don't critique it. Don't stop when you hit a passage or a verse that doesn't make sense. Just keep reading it. And I guarantee, I guarantee that Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from, from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, you will experience the reality of that because God's word is true. And the truth is to build your faith, lift your Bible. So binge reading. Shalom, real lovers. What is going on? I am so excited to announce to you all during this break that we are doing another Right to Real Love Radio monthly book giveaway this month in September 2018. I actually had the opportunity to partner with a recent guest on the podcast, my man, Pastor Brian E. Wallace, and we're going to be giving away multiple copies of his book, Chasing Happily Ever After. Man, oh man, y'all, this is definitely one of the best relationship books that I have read all year long, and I am looking forward to getting it into the hands of you real lovers. So if you want the opportunity to win this book, I'm talking about an absolutely free copy. If you want to increase your relationships, get your relationships in order, this is definitely a book that you want to read, Chasing Happily Ever After by my man, Brian E. Wallace. 
If you're ready to enter our book giveaway completely free, y'all, just head over right now to writetorellove.com slash book. I appreciate it. I can't wait to give away these books, y'all. Now let's get back into our discussion. When we look at this topic of courageous humility, do you think that most people, and especially those who believe in Christ Jesus, do you think that they understand the importance of us developing courageous humility? No, I don't even think people know what it is. That's why I <laughs> that's <wrote> real. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why I wrote about it in A Call for Courage, which by the way, people can pick it up on Amazon, Books a Million, Barnesandnoble.com. They can get it at CourageMatters.com as well. I can give you a personal personalized signed copy of it. But that's why I spent so much time in the book A Call for Courage talking about courageous humility, because it's the number one trait of somebody who's really following Jesus. Because when you think about Jesus, he was perfectly humble and perfectly courageous, you know, to overturn the tables of the money changers, to call out the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were hypocritical, whitewashed tombs as they needed to be called out. And he had to stoop down and to talk to the woman caught in adultery, to be known as somebody who was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus gives his own estimation of himself, his own testimony about himself. We know Jesus never lied. He says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm humble, I'm gentle, lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. If that's the way Jesus characterized himself, we know what's true. And if my endeavor is to be like Jesus in character, then I need to develop character so that I look like Jesus. And the phrase that I came up with that God graciously, I think, dropped in my lap one day is courageous humility or humble courage. And that's what A Call for Courage is about, to help the reader sit down and learn, go on this journey with me and the Lord as we're going through the book, to learn how to develop courageous humility as your new way of life across the board. So most of us don't know. I'm still growing it myself. Hopefully I'll be growing in it if I'm still alive till my dying day. We never arrive totally, but it is a journey the, the journey of developing courageous humility as your new way of life, it is the most worthwhile journey of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Now, when we look at the definition of it, because that's key in order for the real lovers and the listeners to follow along where we're about to go as we dive deeper into it. It's always important for us to make sure that we're all standing on equal footing. So right. can you provide the real lovers and the listeners and even myself with a definition for what courageous humility is? Right. Courageous humility or humble courage is the convergence of truth and love, where you find truth and love traveling together, embodied together. There you have courageous humility or humble courage. So I say it this way, if we're going to look at it as a math question or a math problem, those of you who love math, you just started paying attention, right? Truth plus love equals courage. We're supposed to, in Ephesians 4, it says, speaking the truth in love. We're not just supposed to speak the truth, and we're not just supposed to be loving. We are supposed to speak the truth in love. When you just speak the truth, you can be Pharisaic, right? You can be religious. You can be cold and stoic and removed. If it's just about love, people confuse love, and they think, well, to love somebody is to accept them. When you think about what Jesus did, he simultaneously— dealt with our sin, saying that sin is not acceptable while he reached out to us and loved us and died for us on the cross. So truth plus love is the divine equation when it comes to courageous humility. It's not one or the other. It's both. In fact, when we withhold 
the truth that we know from somebody who needs to hear it. Listen to this. This is really important to understand. The most unloving thing you can do to somebody is withhold the truth that you know that they need to hear. That's the most unloving thing. The most loving thing you can do for somebody is tell them the truth when you know what it is. And today we're living in a politically correct world where everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And if it feels good, do it. And that's your truth, but it's not my truth. And as long as you don't bother anybody else. But the real question is, is your attitude, is your motive, is your behavior an affront to God? So courageous humility is so important because we need to exercise it in our own lives. Truth plus love equals courage. And it's what we need to exercise as we are engaged in the Great Commission, which is to teach people to observe everything that Jesus commanded, not some of the things, but everything. So humble courage is the the convergence of truth and love. When truth and love travel together, as they should, as a mature Christ follower will model, that's where you have courageous humility. Wonderful. And you're right. It is definitely about us making sure that we follow what Christ taught, what Christ did, and we follow him. Like That's vital. As you stated, some people have unfortunately walked away from the word of God, the Torah, and all of the things that are important. Because as you stated, they are seeking after their own truths. And especially when we talk about people who are or refer to themselves as believers in Christ, one of the most dangerous things that we can do is replace the truth, which is Christ, with our own truth. Like that, that's not the way it works. Like those two things are opposed to one another. So that's really, really important. And I'm glad that you keyed in on that. And when people have the desire to start to develop courageous humility, what's required? Well, you have to have a commitment to the truth. In John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus is having that discussion with the woman at Jacob's well, right? Uh, many of us are familiar with that, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And the woman is on a quest. She's on a quest for the Messiah. She's on a quest for real spirituality, which is so important. Somebody ought to do a podcast about real love. Wouldn't that be a great name? For <laughs> hey, you're real lovers. Listen up here, right? The whole quest that the Samaritan woman was on, she wanted the real deal. She wanted real religion. She wanted real spirituality. And Jesus answers her and says, the time is coming and has already come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice the truth part. Mm -hmm. For God is spirit and his worshipers must, not should or might, his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth, for this is the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. That's in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. You can look it up in any translation, you'll see it. Truth matters when it comes to worship. In fact, you cannot worship God on your own terms. Truth is not relative to God. Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said when he was before Pontius Pilate, anyone on the side of truth listens to me. So you can't be a worshiper in a way that's acceptable to God if truth is not central to your quest. Truth and worship are inseparable, and they are not subjective and relativistic, even though we're living in a relativistic society. That's infiltrated the church, John. Let me talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's infiltrated the church, relativism. Well, as long as nobody's bothering anybody. But the real issue is it doesn't matter if they're bothering you or me as much as is this something that is true before God? You can't worship God. We can't worship God on our own terms. A true worshiper 
is vitally, absolutely, wholeheartedly committed to truth. You can't worship God without a commitment to truth. That's right. That is so vital, so important. And honestly, and I would even go as far as to say, sadly, I think it's one of the instances that is missing because so many people are trying to worship our Lord and Savior in the way that they have contrived, as opposed to trying to do it in the way that he himself instructed us to do it, as you stated. You know, we are to worship him in truth. That's a, that's a key component of it. You know, that is a key component of it. And that, that's the component that is often missed, is that truth has to be involved in it. Spirit and truth are both required. Not just spirit, not just truth, but both of them. Right. They're both essential. And that's the kind of a worshiper that God is seeking. So if you want to be a worshiper who's who's worshiping God on his terms, then first thing to do is you got to understand what's God looking for. And then it becomes the pursuit of your lifetime. Remember the Great Commission, Jay, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 is to go to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey some of the things Jesus commanded. Nah. Oh. <laughs> right? And yet, for many of us, that's the way we approach things. We have mm -hmm. this, this a la carte approach to Christianity. Well, I'll take some of this about Jesus. I'll take some of that about Jesus. I don't want to touch that about Jesus because that means I got to change my life. I got to change my thinking. I'm not sure I want to go that far. That would be too committed to Jesus. You know, it's teaching people to observe everything Jesus commanded, not some of the things. So truth is important. Practicing that truth, embracing that truth, and teaching others to put legs on the truth, to put wheels on the truth. Man, if we're not doing that, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And not to get too deep or take us uh, off course, but I just feel like this is a, a perfect place to, to insert this here, is the fact that when we really take a look at what Christ desires, what God desires us to worship him in spirit and truth, you know, the truth part, I think most people get based on what we've been talking about, which is, you know, it's ultimately his word. You know, what does the word of God say? That is where truth is revealed to us. And the spirit piece is not something that most people will look at it as far off in a way or something that's supernatural, but the spirit refers to our spiritual maturity, you know, and I think that's a piece that is often mis misunderstood. And it's often a piece that isn't properly taught by, by a lot of people because of the fact that when we look at the Great Commission that you referred to, he was commissioning disciples, people who had walked with him, people who had followed him, people who were obeying and abiding by the truth, people who had developed spiritual maturity under his teaching. However, in today's society, we see people who are spiritually immature being set off to go on and, set, and, and bring forth the Great Commission. And there's nothing wrong with people going forth and bringing forth and committing and, and fulfilling the Great Commission. But the key that is often missing is the spiritual maturity piece. Because if a person isn't truly spiritual mature, it's going to be difficult when you do send them out into the world to properly share the truth with people and to do it in love. Hey, well said, man. And, you know, I would I would say this. Mm -hmm. We're going we're gonna to make uh, the real lovers think. Is it possible to worship the Lord in spirit without knowing the truth? Not at all. You can you need worship? Both. Yeah. Can you worship and serve a God you don't know? No, you can't. You can't. No, you can't. Yep. Right.
because the maturity that you're you're developing spiritually is based on the truth. <laughs> you know, so when people reject the truth or approach it, as you say, in a a la carte manner where I take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Well, we know what the word of God says. It, it clearly states that we are not to add or remove anything from it. Right. <laughs> like we're, we're supposed to take it completely as it is. So it's not like, you know, I'll take a little bit here or, you know, I'll add a little bit. I want to put a little condiment on this. No, no condiment, no ketchup. No, no, nothing that is needed. The word is perfect as it is perfectly seasoned <laughs> to stick with that analogy. <laughs> it's exactly right. And, and going back to this idea of binge reading, mm -hmm. faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ to build your faith, lift your Bible. Man, if you want to be a spiritual dynamo for Jesus in the overflow of knowing him, the best thing you can do is get into the Word of God. In fact, I just taught about it this past Sunday. It's the most recent podcast. It's called What the Bible Says About the Bible Reading You. That's the name of the message, What the Bible Says About the Bible Reading You. And the whole premise was and is that until the Bible starts reading you, you're not properly reading the Bible. Until the Bible starts reading you, you're not properly reading the Bible. And the, the thing that I threw out there, which is from my own failures in my own life, most of the lessons I've learned, I've learned from my own failures. And so I believe that if I share those failures with other people, maybe they'll learn and avoid those failures. Most of the unnecessary hardships in life can almost always be traced back to a lack of rich time in God's word. That's what I have found to be true in my own life. And that's part of what I'm going to include probably in my next book, which I'm just starting to sketch out. But that whole premise, right? It, listeners, really listen carefully to this and uh, examine it in your own life. You're going to find this to be true. Most of the unnecessary, unnecessary hardships in life can almost always be traced back to a lack of rich time, rich time spent in the Bible in God's word. So I'm finding that out of my own life again. And I think anybody who's listening and really open and honest to the Lord developing them and growing them, you'll find that to be true in your own life. You yeah. are so right. You're right. And it's vital for us to come to a place where we acknowledge just how important the word of God is. I recall listening to a teaching from a pastor and he, he did this illustration with his church where he had everybody to raise their hand if they had read the Bible completely. And clearly there were only a few hands up. And then he asked the question, how many people in here believe that the Bible is the word of God? Everybody's hand went up, you know, as far as I could see, I should say. Uh, and then he asked the question, well, how can a person who believes that the Bible is the word of God have not read it? You know, and, and, you know, it's a really great illustration because there are so many of us who, quote unquote, believe in the word of God, but our actions are betraying what we're saying out of our mouth when we say that we believe is truly the word of God. If right. we really true, like, I mean, if we understood like this is the word of God, we wouldn't we we couldn't you couldn't keep us away from it. <laughs> we, like it's just like a page turning, you know, novel or something we, when you want to know what's going to happen next, you continue reading. It's like you can't put the book down. And right. until we do, as you talked about earlier, we really develop that relationship with God and we really connect with him and he starts to reveal himself to us in his word, man, it will just be another book on the shelf that, as you stated, we don't have that passion to really dive in and to read it. Right. And, you know, I think many of God's people unwittingly mm -hmm. were reading the Bible 
for, and if I can be gently frank about this. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> reading the Bible. Uh, here's my, my attempt at courageous humility here, okay? We're reading the Bible for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, first of all, God, there's blessings that come from reading the Word of God. So to appeal to selfish reasons, sure, read it for personal blessings. But the Bible is not primarily a book about you and about me. It's primarily a book about God and his agenda. And I think one of the things that we've done is we've reversed that. We've the, One of the tragedies today is that the Bible is now seen as a book about us. Well, yes, it is about us, but in relationship to walking with God and understanding and knowing him, it's the emphasis that you put on each of those. And so I have found that there are two main reasons why I don't read the Bible. When, I, when I'm not reading the Bible, it's either because I'm too busy, and that means that I'm believing that something else is more important than my relationship with God, and nothing really is, but I believe a lie, right? I have spiritual amnesia. I've uh, allowed the distractions of life to overcome me and cause me to forget what really is most important. So number one reason why we don't read the Bible is because we're too busy. The number two reason is because we're not motivated. And that is often a big reason. And I know that because when I talked about this in my church and I asked for a show of hands, about half the church's hands went up, that people are just not motivated, even though they believe the Bible is the Word of God, even though they believe it's, it's God's Word. And the reason why we're not motivated, it comes back to Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. It's like the more you eat the Word of God, the more you read the Word of God, the more you're going to want to read the Word of God. And it becomes this momentum issue. It becomes this snowball in a great, beautiful way. You know, if you binge eat popcorn like I do when we go to the movies, right? <laughs> you binge eat potato chips. Who can eat just a couple of potato chips, man? Have you mastered that? No. I, I cannot do that. No. You binge eat any food that is junk food, there's consequences in your waistline, your health, your arteries, all kinds of stuff, right? But the exact opposite is true when we binge read the Word of God. It causes us to have more of an appetite for what's good and pure and noble and just and righteous, and it changes our thinking. Stinking thinking becomes honorable thinking to God. You know, if I, I can't emphasis, emphasize this too much. If you are in a place where in your mind you know that you should be reading the Bible, but you're just not motivated, just get it out and force yourself to just read it. Just start reading it. I don't recommend you start with Leviticus, right? But just start reading it. Go to the New Testament and just start reading it. When you come to a passage that doesn't make sense, just just keep reading. And if you make a commitment to doing that, you binge read, what's going to happen? I guarantee that with the passage of time, it doesn't mean it's going to happen in a day or two. But if you make, you make it your ambition to just show up and read it, force yourself to try to read as much as possible in one sitting, eventually— Sooner than later, sooner than later, you're going to begin to have an appetite for God's word. And you're going to you're going to reverse the trend of being unmotivated to read the word of God. And you're going to begin to be motivated by the word of God. And, and Jay, I bet you you're going to get emails to that end where people are going to testify and say, you know what? What Mike was saying, what you guys are talking about on this podcast, doggone it. It's true. It is true. And I've learned that from my own failures. I can relate. There have been plenty of times when, as you stated, I've liked that motivation as well. And for those people who are interested in binge reading the Word of God, and maybe they find it difficult with the Bible that they're using, they've now created these reader's Bibles, where it's pretty much formatted the way you would see a typical novel. 
And for those of you that find it difficult to, you know, sit down and read the Bible in chunks, maybe you would consider looking into getting a reader's Bible where it's still the word of God is just formatted differently. Instead of it being in the two columns like we're um, used to, they put it all in paragraph form in big blocks of text like we're used to when you pick up a traditional novel or book. And that's something that people may consider as well to put you in that place where they've removed the verse numbers and things of that nature. And you can just dive into the text and read it as you would a traditional book. And I'm glad that you really touched on the fact that people need to be motivated to read the word of God, because I'm in agreement with you. And I'm going to speak to about myself personally, but I would dare to venture that there are other people who this applies to. Oftentimes we lack the motivation to read the word of God because in the times that we live in, in the society and the culture that we have been raised in, we don't see it as relevant. We feel like, oh, that's some old archaic book that doesn't really apply to my life now. And if I'm reading it, it's more like reading a history book or a textbook and it's telling me about something that happened in the past. Well, yes, there are elements of things that did occur in the past, but it's teaching you, it's teaching us about our history, where we came from, how, right. how we all came to be as mankind. And it also is teaching and preparing us of the future because as the word of God states, he sets the end before the beginning. He, right. he said he knew the future before the past and the present was ever revealed. And those things are all included in the Bible. That's what's so remarkable about it is that it's not just an archaic book that only talks about the past. It's not a history book in, in, in the complete sense. There right. are prophetic elements to the word of God. And when people have a hunger and a desire and a thirst that I, I recommend people to pray for that, you know, it's right there in Matthew where, where Christ tells us, you know, if you hunger and thirst for his righteousness, man, start praying. I, I pray it daily, Michael, where I pray for God to provide me with a hunger and a thirst for his word, his righteousness in him. And I see him answering that prayer. And especially when I find myself challenge with reading the the word of God and feeling motivated to do it. Like I, I need that. I need that thirst. Not 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 to just, you know, give me a drink of water and I'm good. Like I need a everlasting thirst and hunger for his word. And you know, I would just motivate people to begin praying that. Hey real lovers, this is Michael Anthony, author of A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth and Love. In an age of intolerance and fear, it's been such a privilege to be with you today, and I hope that you are blessed by the broadcast. If you want to connect with me beyond today's broadcast, you can download the free Courage Matters app. It's called Courage Matters. You can get it for free in your app store, or you can connect on our website, which is CourageMatters.com. That's CourageMatters.com. God bless you, everybody. And in the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking. I think you hit on something very important, Jay. Where does that thirst for God come from? It doesn't come out of a, a vacuum. It doesn't come, you know, ex nihilo from nothing. It comes from somewhere. Like Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 7 says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's powerful. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why we don't want to, in the flesh, read the Word of God. So again, to build your faith, lift your Bible. If you want to reverse that trend of being hostile to God and not having an interest in God's Word, just get yourself into the Word of God, and He will take care of the rest. Trust God at His Word. I don't want to even say trust me. Trust God at His Word. That, That thirst for the Word of God is something that will develop, it will grow, 
as you simply read the Bible. Just commit yourself to reading the Bible. Don't take no for an answer. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, with the passage of time, sooner or later, you will begin to see a trend in your thinking and um, your attitude toward God, your attitude toward his word. You will see the course of your life turn around. And that's what repentance is. It's a 180. That's, that's a lifestyle that God has called us to. So Romans 8 verse 7 is powerful. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So the best way to get your mind to no longer be hostile to God, but friendly to him, get the word of God into you. Read the word of God. Just read it. Just I'm pleading with your listeners, right? Just read it. Let God take care of the rest. He will reverse the trend in your attitude and your motivations in your heart and in your mind, and you will see that you, instead of being um, neutral or disinterested in the Word of God, you will begin to have a hunger and a thirst, as you were talking about, a thirst for God. That thirst for God and His Word does not come out of a vacuum. It comes as a byproduct of being in the Word of God where momentum is created. Does that make sense? Yes, it definitely makes sense. And the one thing that it's important for everyone listening, including ourselves, to always keep in mind is the fact that we have a responsibility. And, and sadly, I think that oftentimes people think that it's all on God. And if that was the case, everything would be done. Because in God's from God's perspective, it is all done. Like, we're, we're still living out a book that he's already written, you know, if we could use it from the sense of it being a book. But everything that we are experiencing that's happened in the past, that's happened in the future, it's already a done deal for God. So oftentimes when people say that, you know, they're waiting on God or, you know, I, I've learned that we're not waiting on God. We're waiting on us. And we just haven't come to the realization that it's us that we're waiting on because God's already done his part. His part is already done. Signed, sealed, delivered is taken care of. Now it is our responsibility to do our part. How does this tie into what we're talking about? Because when it comes to developing that hunger and thirst, like you stated, it's our responsibility to actually pick up the word of God and read it. It's our responsibility to pray and say, God, can you please provide me with a hunger and a thirst to want to read your word, to want to develop your righteousness, to want to get to know you better. That's our responsibility because he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. He's not going to he's not going to send a, a warring angel to your room to yoke you up by your collar and make you read the word of God. It, it's on you. Right. He always gives us that free will choice. And that choice that we've been given based on our own actions can either be a gift or a curse. Let me add some kerosene to that fire. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> Let's add some kerosene to that. You know, when people say I'm too busy, I just don't have the time to read the Bible or I'm just not motivated to read the Bible, even though I know I should. It's not a head knowledge thing. We know that we should. If you don't have the time or make the time to read the Bible, then you know what you're doing by default. You are opening up the door for the time that you're going to spend on unnecessary hardships hardships that you will experience because you neglected the Word of God. Most of life's unnecessary hardships can almost always be traced back. Notice I say almost always. Almost always be traced back to a lack of rich time in God's Word. If you're not in God's Word, you're not going to have godly counsel, godly wisdom, godly direction. Therefore, you're going to make decisions that could be second best. They might not be honoring to God. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death, the Bible says. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it, right? So if you make decisions that are wrong, if your foundation is off, your roof line is going to be way off. If you're listening right now and you're saying, well, I'm too busy or I'm not motivated to read the Word of God, I wish I was, we've already given you the solution to a lack of motivation, the binge reading idea, get the Word of God into you, Romans 10, 17. 
But if you are saying to yourself, I'm too busy, I just don't have time, I can't find the time, you have to understand, hopefully the light bulb goes on. You are then by default making a choice to open up your life to the time you are going to spend spinning your wheels and in hardship and difficulty for the unnecessary hardships that are going to occur because you've neglected the word of God. So which would you like? Would you like to take time on the front end to prioritize God's word and to reduce the unnecessary hardships now? Or would you like to, at a time and a circumstance when you might not be ready for it, when it seems to come out of the blue, where you're going to have to sit down in the middle of the road and deal with unnecessary hardships that could have been avoided if you had prioritized God's word. So you're going to spend time one way or the other. What I'm saying is why not spend it one way and not the other by prioritizing God's word. That's right. Priorities are key. And the one thing that I want to leave the real lovers with is the fact that we have help. This isn't, a, a, I guess you can say, a journey that we're on by ourselves. But like any person who is in need of help, they have to request it. And our helper comes in the form of the wonderful Holy Spirit. So, Michael, as we begin to close things out, can you just share with the real lovers how seeking the Holy Spirit can help them demonstrate and develop courageous humility at the right time? Great question. Uh, Jay, I'm a firm believer that if you seek Jesus, the Holy Spirit always shows up. I think that uh, many people can seek the Holy Spirit and forget that all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form in Jesus. So that when we seek Jesus, when we submit to him, uh, when we take the Great Commission seriously, ob observe everything that Jesus commanded, the Holy Spirit's right there. You can't separate the two. And it honors the Father to honor the Son. Always does. And so it's impossible to spend time in the Word of God without spending time with the author of the Word of God, which is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we spend time in the Bible, we're spending time with Jesus, and you always become like the people you spend the most time with. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you're going to develop Jesus' character in your life. And the byproduct of that is you're going to look like, you know, every student when he's fully taught will be just like his master, Jesus said, right? So if Jesus, the perfect embodiment of courageous humility, humble courage, if I spend time with Jesus in his word with a bent toward putting it into action, otherwise I'm just becoming a Pharisee, head knowledge is not what Bible meditation and Bible binge reading is about, Bible study. It's all about transformation. If I'm spending time in the word of God, it's inseparable from spending time with the God of his word. To spend time in the word is to spend time with Jesus. Those two are inseparable, and we always become like the person that we spend the most time with. So courageous humility, humble courage, is a byproduct of spending time in the Word of God, which is to spend time with Jesus, which is to be transformed and to become like Him. Remember the purpose of Bible binge reading, Bible study, Bible meditation, Bible reading, all of that is for the purpose of transformation, not just information. Got to be really careful we don't confuse the two, because if we do, then we're on our road to becoming a Pharisee, which Jesus had very strong words for the Pharisees. We want to be disciples. Every student, when he's fully trained, will be just like his teacher. So when we spend time in the Word of God, we spend time with Jesus, and we become like him in Christ-like character. That's how courageous humility is developed. That's how we stand up and speak out in what has become a sit-down, shut-up world, where people of faith are being targeted and told, we don't want to hear about this Jesus. And even in many faith circles, things have become politically correct. That's not a good thing. We need to follow the biblical Jesus, be true to him, and honor him. That's what it means to be a walking worshiper, a living sacrifice. 
That is so powerful. And that golden nugget that you dropped there with regards to it being about transformation and not information is key. Real lovers, I had to repeat that because I hope you do not miss that. When we talk about reading the word of God, it's not about accumulating information. It's about allowing the spirit of God to lead you into all truth. As the word of God instructs us, he will do when we get into truth, which is the word. When we get into it, we will be transformed. But we first have to take up our responsibility and say, you know what? I may not feel like reading. And here's the thing. Like, I, one thing that I've learned, Michael, is that complete honesty and transparency are key in, in, in every aspect of my life. But even more so over the last two years or so, I would maybe even say like the last year and a half of how important it is to be transparent with God. When I don't feel like reading the word of God and I'm reading it, before I even start, I say, God, I really don't want to read the word of God. I'd rather be doing something else right now, but I am not going to do that. I'm going to spend this time with you. He already knew that. But by me being honest and saying, hey, I don't even want to do this. I don't want to be here. It allows me and him to be we, we're here. There, there's no facade. Like I'm not sitting here fronting. And I encourage real lovers to do the same thing, even when it comes to prayer. Just yesterday, like my, my evening prayer time, I didn't I didn't feel like praying for the third time that day. But I was like, I knew I had to do it. And when I went into prayer, the first thing I said is, God, you know, like I really don't feel like praying right now. I'd rather be watching TV or laying up and getting ready to go to sleep. But I know that I need to spend this time with you. I know that I need to engage in prayer with you. And that is the type of honesty and transparency that will allow us to be transformed in his word, as you just stated. And, you know, if anybody isn't already doing that, take that level of honesty with God and you'll see that that will start to draw him even closer to you, because essentially you're drawing closer to him when you are exposing those pieces of yourself that you would usually keep back. Mm hmm. Man, I couldn't say that any better, buddy. <laughs> Man, Michael, it has been such an honor and a joy having you as a guest on the podcast before we go. The other thing I wanted you to remind the real lovers is where they can get your book. Please let them know. Sure. CourageMatters.com. They can get a, a personalized autograph copy to whoever they want to send it to, whether it's himself or a friend. CourageMatters.com. They can also get it through the free Courage Matters app, which is in iTunes and in Google Play. You can also get A Call for Courage on Amazon, booksamillion.com, barnesandnoble.com, christianbook.com. Any place books are sold, it's a hardcover version, and uh, there are great prices all over the place. You can get it anywhere books are sold. A Call for Courage is the title, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. And Jay, it's always a blessing to be on your podcast, man. Thanks for being so awesome. Oh, man, thank you. And I'll also make sure that we have links to your book available on rightsreallove.com as well. They'll be in the show notes of every episode that's been a part of this series. Other than that, Michael, it has been a joy. We'd love to have you come back on and be a guest again in the future because, I mean, there's so much more that we could have dived in on this topic. And it would be a joy to have you come back on and, you know, allow us to get even deeper on this subject. It would always be my pleasure, Jay. You're a good man, and I always enjoy networking with and working with good people, and you're one of them, buddy. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much, and I appreciate everything that you share with us today. Thank you. God bless you. Real lovers, real lovers, man. Oh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed this series with my man, Michael Anthony. It was such a pleasure to have him come back on and share some really great insights, especially when it comes to us diving in and reading the word of Yah. And like I stated on the previous episode, we don't just want to read it, but we want to eventually get to a place where we are also studying to gain a better understanding of what the word of Yah says. So I just want to take the time out now to just request that you all do one take action now action step. And that is to read the Bible. That's right. 
pull out the word of Yah, whether it is a physical hard copy Bible, whether it is uh, your cell phone, whether it's your tablet, man, do it today. Start reading your Bible. For those of you who are already accustomed to reading your Bible daily and you like, oh man, Jonathan already did that already, man. That ain't nothing, man. I always read the Bible. Well, if that's you, then I want to encourage you to take it up one notch. Study. Do a word study. Do a study on a character. Study from a, a, a chapter in the Bible. Study a verse or a scripture in the Bible. Do a study. So if you are already reading, then take it up a notch and do some studying. If you're not sure how to begin studying the word of God, I would say start with a simple word study. If you are, go back to your daily reading from today. Was there a particular scripture that stood out to you? If it was, start analyzing the words in that scripture to gain a deeper understanding. If you're reading from the New Testament, get beyond just the English translation. Dive in and study what those Greek words may be. And in some cases, if it's quoting the Old Testament, then you can even dive even further and take a look at what those Hebrew words actually meant. You may get a deeper understanding of what you initially thought when you just read the English translation. And if you're reading from the Old Testament, the Tanakh, then you can definitely dive right on in and start looking at those Hebrew words and see if the meanings are actually a bit deeper than what you may have automatically assumed from just reading the English translation. So take it a step further. And if you're not sure where to start, I highly recommend reading from an interlinear Bible. You can find that online on Bible study tools. You can find it even on your phone. If you use Bible Hub, if you use the Blue Letter Bible, they all have the ability for you to use the interlinear Bible and look beyond just the English translation, but to look at what the Greek words are, what those Greek words mean. And in some cases, even taking a look at those Hebrew words, what do they mean? I definitely want to encourage you all to do that. And also, if you found value in this series, if you really um, took some of the things to heart that were shared and you were grateful for the things that Michael shared with us, I would like it if you just go and show him some love and support. If you head over to rightsreallove.com in the show notes of every episode that's been a part of this series, you will find a link to Michael's website. You also find a link to his book so you can go and check out A Call for Courage. I just want to encourage you all to come back. We got another great series that's going to take place after this one. You don't want to miss it. I'm excited you all. I love y'all. Until next time, stay blessed, live, and love life. Thank y'all for another podcast. Shalom.